The GeoTrek podcast focuses on stories about the impacts of extreme weather and natural disasters. We feature a wide range of guests, from scientists and insurance professionals to storm chasers and agricultural producers. Sometimes our interviews focus on personal stories, especially when our guests live in locations with extreme weather. This next episode fits that description perfectly. In this episode, I interview Leona Cherishnowski, who lives on her family's old farmstead in Osceola, New York, on the Tug Hill Plateau. This is one of the snowiest inhabited places on Earth. Leona shares personal stories from her life and the life of her family, who ran a dairy farm in the heart of the snow belt. I found Leona to have a quick wit and a great sense of humor and provide excellent perspective on what it's like to live in such a place with extreme weather. Before we get to the interview, I need to share one more important perspective. You've surely heard of Southern hospitality, and many people assume that such hospitality does not extend north of the Mason-Dixon line. However, I encountered tremendous warmth and hospitality in upstate New York while recording these episodes in December of 2021. As I was in Osceola, New York, searching for photographs of heavy snowfall, a man connected me to Leona by phone, and the next thing you know, she invited me to come over to her old farmstead to look at photos and share stories. This was the second consecutive night I was invited into the home of someone I had just met. Such warmth certainly helps people navigate through such a cold and snowy landscape. The setting of this podcast is different than those that took place in a more professional setting, and that affects the feel of this episode. This is more of a personal interview where Leona takes time to share stories from her life and the life of her family. So get that mug of hot chocolate or coffee, cozy up to the fireplace, and slow down as you enjoy this episode of the GeoTrek podcast. I'm here with Leona. She was so sweet to invite me over to her house. I was down in Osceola at the hotel and I asked a man named Kenny if he knew of people with pictures of deep snow and he got in touch with you, Leona, and you invited me over. I really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Glad to have you here. So you've lived here really most of your life, right? Well, I've lived here or 25 miles away. Okay. And we're here on the Tug Hill Plateau. It's really the snowiest place east of the Rocky Mountains. You guys get a lot of snow up here. Yep. We get a lot of snow off the lake. What's the most snow you've ever seen? Does a certain year stand out? I I know my folks talked about 1947-48 that winter, and that was that was the worst, and it doesn't ever get that bad anymore. What's the most snow you can remember in in say recent decade or two? We've gotten like maybe two feet overnight or. Within yeah. three hours, you know. You know, what's amazing, I've heard cases of where it snows a foot or two, but every day for maybe um, oh, yeah. five or six days. So yeah. the whole storm, you could have like, what, eight or ten feet or something. Yeah, yeah, you can. It's it's not unusual, although it's getting more unusual. Yeah. I, By the end of winter, how high can the snow pile up here? I'll show you some pictures. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard someone saying you can get up to rooftops and people can, they've like sledded off roofs and crazy well, things like that. We did that when my kids were little. Oh, yeah. They, they could slide off the roof at our, not this house, but our house in Lorraine. Yeah. They could slide off the roof. Well, let's look at some pictures. I can't okay. wait to see them. From what I've heard, it's pretty sensational. I'll show you this first. Oh, wow. This is, <laughs> this is from that winter in 47, 48. And my folks wow. always have told the story about my mother being brought home after getting snowed out, and she rested on the cross arms of a telephone pole. 
This is this is a picture of a telephone pole and the cross arms at the very top. I mean, it, it looks like it's almost at ground level. The snow is actually as high as a telephone pole, if you can believe it. So, but this my brother found in Michigan, and remembering the story my mother told, he bought it and sent it home to her. <clears throat> oh, so she saw a, a scene like that here, but he he bought this yeah. from from yeah. a from a scene in Michigan. Everybody had a camera on him every place. <laughs> yeah, that's right, and that's a good reminder too that this, this really deep snow can happen really all throughout the Great Lakes when we get in the heart of the yeah. snow belt. When she came home, she came home on snowshoes. The roads were not open, and and when she got home, my father was a a farmer here, and he she made sixty pounds of butter that next week. The week after she got back. Really? So where was she coming from again? Well, we were down. She had me, and we went down to Orwell, where her great her grandfather was, and he had had a stroke. So she went down to help take care of him, and in the meantime, got snowed out. So she was trying to get back with yeah. all this snow, and she actually ended up resting on the arms of a telephone pole. Yeah, coming up one of those hills you just came up. So she had you, went to care for her father, went through this unbelievable snow, and then when she got back, she made 60 pounds of butter. Yeah, yeah, she was... She they was, were pretty resilient back then, yes, huh? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Well, Dad had dumped all the milk but saved the cream and every container he could find around the bottom of the cellar and kept it cool so she could make butter with it. So this was a dairy farm? Yes, yes. Yeah. How, many, how many cows did they have? Oh, they would have like 20, not, yeah. not many. Did they have machine milkers back then or more milk by hand? He, no, he milked with milkers. He did? Yeah. Usually twice a day, like morning and yeah. evening? Yeah. yeah. It was, I, I w lived on a dairy farm for a while in Pennsylvania, and then one spring I worked on a dairy farm actually doing milking. It was a little harder than I expected, but once you get the hang of it, you, you know, you get used to it. It's a good life. It's hard, but it's a good life. Yeah, it is. It, it, the lifestyle is really wholesome, and it's, but it's long days. It's hard work. Yep. For the whole family, you know. we, My sister and I always helped with the hay and everything. Whatever was going on, you were involved in. Yeah, you're around. And I noticed even in the winter, I was surprised. There, That's when a lot of the maintenance happens, right? I mean, they're working yep. all the time. Yep, yep, that's true. Yep. What was it like farming? So how far was that farm from where we are now? This is it. Oh, this is it. it, yeah. it we're at the farm. So yeah. so they farmed here where you get this really deep snow as well. Yeah, yeah. But the cows are inside then, you know. So you're you're harvesting the hay and making like haylage and silage and stuff and then just feeding them, them that in the wintertime? They never heard of haylage. They, or they just, so it's silage, right? <laughs> Yeah, and um, so they're, but they're, you're just feeding them silage, and the and, and they're sheltered all winter. The top of the barn is full of hay, so you're feeding them hay and grain. You always have some grain to feed them. Yeah. So. Do you? So it sounds like you said maybe some of the snow patterns are changing now. Is there less snow now, or more snow, yeah, or how is it different? We don't get the storms that we used to. We certainly don't get the cold weather we used to. It used to be below zero maybe the whole month of January. It would be cold, awfully cold. I don't know as it got below zero last year at all. So it's more maybe teens and 20s, but it, and you're getting snow, but it's not really that deep cold. It's not as bad as it used to be. Is it different? So once Lake Ontario would freeze, then it kind of shuts off some of the lake yep. effect. Is that different now? Yeah, it, a lot of winters it doesn't freeze over at all. So the winters, you obviously said, are warmer. In some ways, though, does that keep the snow coming because the lake isn't yep. freezing? yeah. Yeah, it does. Although by, you know, the end of February, it's it's cold. The, the It's not like when the air cold air comes over the warm lake water, that's how you get the lake effect. But um, 
when the lake water gets cold, it's not so. You don't do you do you think it's possible that some areas could be a little bit warmer but snowier? Like, so they're still below freezing. They're not, like you said, below zero, but because the lake water may be not freezing, do you think it's possible that, that sometimes it could be warmer and snowier, which seems con- yeah. contradictory, but perhaps yeah. that could happen? Yeah. yeah. I will be providing scientific commentary throughout my conversation with Leona. In this last section, we discussed the possibility that winters in upstate New York could possibly become snowier if a warmer Lake Ontario provides more moisture for lake effect snow. This concept may seem counterintuitive. How is it possible that warmer weather could lead to more snow? Many of us live in places where the average daily maximum temperatures in the winter are above freezing, so warmer weather could never lead to more snowfall. But in upstate New York, where the average daily temperatures in many locations are at or below freezing, it's possible that a changing climate could actually lead to more snow. Tom DiLiberto published a blog post on climate.gov that discusses how lake effect snow could actually increase in the short term in a warming climate. The science behind this is that as the lakes warm and have a longer ice-free period, they provide more moisture for lake effect snow. This pattern in theory could increase lake effect snowfall as long as the temperature is cold enough for snow. He points to research that has suggested that snowfall has increased near Lake Superior and Lake Michigan between 1927 and 2007 from a study published by Kunkel et al. 2009 in the Journal of Great Lake Research. Now let's get back to the conversation with Leona. Yeah, <clears throat> my husband's grandmother always said, if you get snow early and you have a thaw, that will keep happening all winter long. And I've seen it a lot of years. That's the way it is. So a snow early and then a thaw, and then you mean the, the snow will keep coming? It'll come back, and then it'll thaw, and then it'll come back, and then it'll thaw. That makes terrible Oh, and you know what? That's in that's in when we when we say there's a, a trough of low pressure in the west and the ridge in the east. It, it's when we, we get that warm southerly wind with rain, and then the cold comes back, and it, it's the it's just going. It's like where the weather gets very temperamental, and it's right. you get the the warm rain and then cold snow, and it's just back and forth. And a lot of times that pattern does persist. I think for a couple months. Yeah, yeah, it does. And um, you'll I'll see a winter. You know, we we cater to snowmobiles up here, and I'll see a winter when it snows south of here. And it invariably, when the storms hit, it'll keep snowing south of here, down around Oneida Lake. And, and we might not get it at all. You know, we should mention something. Lake effect snow is very localized, and these bands, you know, depending if they're coming off from west to east or from the northwest to southeast, that can change everything, right? right. And it sounds like you're saying sometimes the snow could be in a different location, maybe right. south of here and not up here. Right. Um, my neighbor went to Watertown today, and he said north of Adams, there's no snow at all. Right, and here we have, what, a, probably nine or ten inches? or inches Yeah, it, it looked like it had piled up quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. we... But that is nothing for us, you know. It doesn't slow us down much. Yeah, you just keep going, even if it was a couple feet. In November of 2014, a major lake effect snowfall struck upstate New York. In western New York, just a few miles south and east of downtown Buffalo, more than five feet of snow fell. This led to hundreds of major roof collapses and structural failures. More recently, around 40 inches of snow fell in a two-day period near Binghamton, New York in December of 2020. 
This storm caused the roof of the Greater Binghamton Sports Complex to collapse. Heavy snow loads on roofs are a major concern in the snow belt of upstate New York, and I talked to Leona about that in this next part of our dialogue. She explained to me that back in 2009, they needed a piece of heavy machinery called a track hoe to come in and scoop heavy snow off of her roof. You're going to have to get a track hoe because I can't, I'd be shoveling up. I need, I see. So. I need some. So the track hoe is, and you had to get a track hoe because you couldn't get a wheel vehicle on the patio. So he pulled, uses bucket to pull back the snow away from the roof, and then he'd reach up and pull some of the snow off the roof. So you almost have to pull it away from the house first to open up some space, yeah, yeah. and then you could use the track hoe to kind of scoop it off of the roof, basically. Right, right. yeah. And so that was, that was enough of a novelty so that I put my duds on and went up and took pictures. So was that an exceptional deep snow, or would this be something that happens most years that you have I, to get we snow? We haven't had to do this since 2009. I think that's the only time we had to do it. So was there just the concern of there being so much snow on the roof yeah. that the roof could collapse? Yeah, yeah. the roof would collapse. Because that, especially if you're going to get a thaw. If you know you're going to get a thaw, that's dangerous to have it that deep because it gets wet and it gets heavy. And so you've got to get it off. I see. And and I've heard as well, if you have, say, two or three feet of snow on a roof and then a rainstorm is forecast, that's just going to make that snow very heavy, right? Yeah. It's going to oh, soak yeah. that up. Yeah, it's it gets it gets dangerously heavy. Have you seen collapsed roofs up here before? We had one. <laughs> you did? That building. There, there are two pavilions that come like this, and right in the middle there's a valley where they hook together, and it collapsed one year. Well, it it pretty much collapsed. I don't think it ruined everything, but it certainly made a mess of things. Was it just really deep snow that year, or was it the 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 um, freeze thaw type of thing as well? I can't. I don't know. I'm not sure whether it got wet or not. But since then, we found how to prop it up from the inside so it's braced better. Oh, I see. Sometimes will people actually get on roofs with shovels and shovel well, off? They or? do it here. They do. I don't yeah. think I have any pictures of them, but we have a. A fellow, and he has a couple helpers, and he comes a couple times a year, and we have to hire him a couple, three times a year to come and do it. Is there a certain amount of snow, like a threshold, like you don't want more than like three feet, or is there a certain number in mind? No, you don't want more than eight, ten inches. Oh, really? Okay, so you want to keep it off. So, like right now, if it were to snow, say, 18 inches, what would you do? Would you? I'd have to call him. He, He is a good guy. And he'll be checking them. He'll be checking the roofs that he's usually doing. But he's getting old enough now to retire. You know, he's getting ready to call it quits. And I'm kind of worried how we're, how we're going to make out when he does. Yeah, I, I can understand that because um, obviously you, you want to just keep the snow off the roof and everything like that. Does he have like special, does he tie in or anything or just, nope. just walk up there? No, nope. he just goes up on it and and shovels and digs and throws it off. It's yeah. hard work. <laughs> yeah, it can get. Um, and for our listeners that are farther west, here in the east, the snow can be very heavy and wet. And I've, I've talked to a lot of people this this week that said some of the products coming out of the western states, it's much more powdery snow there. Here it can be pretty wet, even the lake snow, right? Yeah. And this was 
this was heavy, wet snow today. Well, I don't know how wet it was. It was heavy. The guy that plowed for me said it was it was heavy snow. Yeah, we had about seven or eight inches yesterday, and the, the temperatures were really in the upper 20s to low 30s. So uh, closer to freezing there when you get snow, a lot of times it's a heavier wet snow. There's a higher moisture content. Yeah, it's it's different. Every It's like they say the Eskimos have how many well, different kinds of words for snow. Well, it's always different here, you know. Do you notice sometimes in the middle of winter when it gets colder that the snow will be a little more powdery? Is that right? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, and like um, tomorrow night we're not us, but Jefferson County is supposed to get heavy winds, fifty mile an hour winds coming off the lake, and I would assume that this snow isn't isn't going to bother. It's heavy enough so it won't bother. But. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, the, yeah, I saw that there are wind advisories out and everything. Have you ever seen the snow so deep that people have to tunnel out from, from their front doors and things like that? I mean, because it can pile up 8, 9, 10 feet sometimes. A lot of people just try to keep it open. And, you know, that year my father was here doing the chores. He had to, he had to keep a path open to the barn. And it got so deep... Um, my sister would stand here at this window when he went to the barn. She'd stand here. She was maybe four or five years old. She'd stand here and watch him go to the barn, and she'd stand and wait until he came out of the barn. And then the snow got so deep, she couldn't see it anymore. She had to go upstairs and look out the window. So the snow was so deep that you couldn't, on the first floor, really see from the from the house to the barn. You had to go up to the second floor to see over. Yeah, yeah. That gives you an idea how how deep that snow is. So was it? So were the house and barn connected, or you had to walk a, across some of the? You got to walk fifty feet. I got you, but um, even I'd imagine with some of the heavier snow, sometimes it's hard to even see that far. Right. Yeah. When it's snowing hard. Yeah. But she'd watch. She was. She didn't have anything else to do. There's no television here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've noticed. That's right. A lot of people are very outdoorsy here, I noticed. A lot of people into hunting and fishing and snowmobiling. Yeah. And people are very hospitable. I mean, I really appreciate you inviting me over. And uh, last night I was at the ski center and, and getting to know people. And they said, well, why don't you come over for dinner? There's there's definitely a hospitality up here. Yeah, well, we like, we, we like people and we enjoy having them and talking about how we live up here. It, it seems very wholesome in in a very good way, kind of old fashioned, which I I miss. You know, there's something wholesome about spending time with people and spending time outdoors. Well, I was I was thinking after I talked to you, you know, this is kind of crazy, Leona. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, I was just down at the Osceola Hotel. So to give another context too, uh, cell phone signals don't always work here on the on Tug Hill. So I was down at the uh, hotel using their Wi-Fi, which worked really well to do some some writing of Geotrek stories. So I got uh, through Kenny, I found out about Leona and then um, I appreciated that you invited me over, you know, but I see what you're saying in the world today. I guess sometimes you don't know people, but it, it seems like uh, you, you're very hospitable. Well, anybody that's Doing a project on on weather is somebody my father would have talked to and my mother, and so I'm willing to. Yeah, it seems like your family, well, I guess as farmers, you're very in touch with the weather in general, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now with the snowmobile business, the bed and breakfast and stuff, that that keeps me, you know, watching the weather and all that. Cause yeah, makes- so let's talk a little bit about that. So you have a bed and breakfast here, and you're on the snowmobile trail, right? Yeah, it runs right through behind the house. So you get a lot of snowmobilers, I guess, from what, mid-December until March, maybe? Yeah. The trails will open mid-December if we have snow, if we have the right kind of snow. And usually they're 
they're gone by the middle of March. So, wow, you must have met a lot of people. Are there a lot of snowmobilers that come from a distance, or are most of them more like local and regional? Most of them are from away. I have a lot of people from Rochester, Buffalo area, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, um, uh, sometimes Connecticut, but not too often. Mostly out-of-staters are usually Pennsylvania. How long have you been doing the bed and breakfast? Well, my mother started it after my dad died, and... um, she just had it here in the house. We have four rooms upstairs, but since COVID, I haven't had people in the house. I'm still kind of afraid. Would they all always be in a group, or would there sometimes be, like, different people just that didn't know each other? Four different couples or, you know, five or six guys or whatever. But I also have two efficiency units out by the barn and that we built in 2003, and those are very popular, and, and I, I still rent out there. So there's also people doing four-wheeling and salmon fishing and hunting and things like that. How does the business in the winter compare to other times of the year? It's much busier in the winter, much busier. I've been busier this summer, um, but there's a lot of construction going on one of the side roads here. And so there's I've had a lot of business this year, but it's people. So it's really the winter sports industry, especially snowmobiling, is what drives the traffic. Yeah, and I've, I've had... Uh, a lot of skiers come too, between two ski centers here in town. So, yeah, I was excited to see this Nordic, this new Nordic center open, and they said there were a lot of people that came to snowshoe and do cross country skiing. Yeah, yeah, and and Hugh Quinn had one for years before, and now this fellow has started one. So it's it's good. It's it's great, and uh, it's too bad there aren't more businesses to take advantage of the people that come, you know. Yeah, someone had mentioned to me that people love the snow here, but sometimes lodging can be a little bit hard, that people may come up to snowmobile or ski, but then drive considerable distances for lodging. Yeah, I I tell them, make your reservations way early. Make your, don't wait, do it, make your plans and come early. Well, that must be neat. So you get to meet all these people coming from all over the place. Yeah. And um, and I was reminded, too, when I, I was up here on Saturday and I started talking to people, I was reminded by how much fun even adults, you know, they, they just view the snow as a time to play and have fun. Uh-huh. And then uh, a lot of these people, I'd imagine, are, are, you know, maybe leaving a stressful, busy life behind for a week to come up and go snowmobiling. So probably a lot of people are in a good mood and, and good I have, temperament, right? I have, a, I have a couple who come from Georgia. Every year they come. And they used to live up here, and they loved to snowmobile. And when they first started coming, they, they would ski. They'd bring their skis, too. But they don't bring their skis anymore, but they still come in snowmobiling. And they're, they're probably in their 60s, well into their 60s. And they stay for a month every year, every year. So they come up maybe January or February? In, usually in January into the middle of February. Wow, so they take a, a long time just to get away and snowmobile and enjoy the... Well, they have a lot of friends up here, and they go around and play... They love to play cards, too. So sometimes they snowmobile to their somebody's house and 
and play cards. Yeah, let's talk about that because I was amazed to see there's a really extensive trail network here. And so when people think of snowmobiling in other parts of the country, there might just be a, one path or one trail. Here it's an enormous network. It's hundreds of miles of snowmobile right. trails. And you could go from, from one house and, and be seven miles on the snowmobile to a, another house or a restaurant or right. a hotel. A, a lot of things are on the trail network, right? Right, and, and that's what they do. You know, they'll, and when they come back at night, they always have to tell you how many miles they put on. <laughs> so they'll, they'll cover quite a distance. Going miles a day sometimes. Do you know offhand how many restaurants are on the trail network? It's oh, quite a few. A lot of them. There's, there's probably like 15 around the hill. Around the hill. Yeah, there's something about that too. You can just really get on your snowmobile, go to a restaurant, and come back. You're not yeah. even really sitting in conventional traffic. Right. No, no traffic. Well, there's traffic on the trails, and you have to be careful because some people aren't aren't careful. But it's they have a good time. Are there some trails just for skiing, or is it? It's mostly open to snowmobiles, and I think the snowmobile associations really maintain the trail network, right? right? There's one um, over toward Mansville. There's a a trail over there. They call it Winona, and they can have um, snowmobiles or skiers and dog sledders and horses. They they have all those on those trails. And I'm not sure just how it works. You know, my first time on Tug Hill, it was like 2002. I was teaching someone how to drive in the snow. We were down by Binghamton and uh, Pennsylvania border. And so we came up here and just stumbled across Tug Hill. And I don't even know where on the hill it was, but I ran into a dog musher. I had never met a dog musher before. So are there are there people up here that run dogs still? Do you know of them? Most of them are most of them are down that way, down down to the west of here. So I see close more like Redfield and, and Winona yeah. and Yeah, beyond. Yeah, beyond yeah. toward yeah, there's and there's a lot of people that have them. There's well, I shouldn't say a lot. There's quite a few. There's quite a few people that have sled dogs. So that would be more in Oswego County, kind of in the in the west. Is this Lewis County here, where you are, yes. or you're, you're still Lewis? Yeah, we're right in the corner between Oswego and Oneida counties. Yeah, actually, three counties kind of come together, right in the in this area. We got, we still do it. Our kids go to school in Camden, which is Oneida County. We get our mail from Oswego County, and we live in Lewis County. So a lot of different different uh, borders and counties going on here. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you showing me these pictures, and this is really cool to see about uh, taking snow off the roofs and everything. Well, let's see what else we can find. Rochester called me, and she wanted me to let her know when there was going to be a lake effect storm. She wanted to get snowed in. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? She came, and we got snowed in, and she just had the time of her life taking pictures and and recording and all that stuff and and she had a whole documentary she did on it well it's novel you know a lot of places will pick up maybe a foot or two but here you'll get maybe a foot or two for four or five days so it ends up it could end up seven eight nine feet right, right? just most people have never seen that before right Good for her. I'm glad that she came up. I'm always interested when people are covering extreme weather or, or especially when they're excited about it. So uh, in this area, snow can be extreme, but uh, do some places tend to get more than others, even right. on the hill? My father always said, if it snows any place in the world, it's snowing in Greenboro. And that's about where Carolyn lives. So that's kind of North Redfield. Yeah. Is that generally maybe a little bit more on average than over here? Yes. Yes. They'll get, they'll get more. And it's because it's got a direct shot right off to off the lake. 
So when those bands set up, they'll just yeah. kind of park yeah. over there? And she can tell you all about that. There was a group that came from Utah, University in Utah, and they set up places all over the area to try and catch a lake effect storm. And she can tell you all. Oh, that's a great idea to, to map out the how yeah. it changes um, spatially because yeah. it, it's so localized. You could be getting, what, two inches an hour in one place and a few miles away it's not right. snowing at all. And, and driving in it is treacherous because if, I mean, in... Usually we know. So like I said, there was no snow north of Adams. So you can drive down 81 or 11 and drive into a lake effect snowstorm, and it's just like somebody pulls a curtain over you. It's it's just amazing. And your visibility can drop to almost right. zero, right? Quick, just like that, just like that. Yeah, out of nowhere. Yep, and it might last for 10 miles. It might last for 20 you don't know when you're going to run out of it. So it's it's treacherous. I remember one time I was over by Central Square north of Syracuse, and it you really couldn't look straight. You almost had to look towards the side uh, at an angle out of the windshield. It was just, even with low beams, you, the visibility yeah. was almost nothing. Yeah, you have to watch the on the side of the road yeah. to keep it. Yep. To keep yourself and from going off. There's, there's another thing about the snow sometimes. You can't, and it... I don't know what makes the difference, but sometimes when it's snowing and there's a lot of snow in the road, you can't tell the difference between where the snowbank is and where the road is. You can't it's just different somehow and I don't know I don't know the reason for that. But. Right, so that uh, those are some of the hazards when a lot of people think about driving hazards, they think of it being slippery, but sometimes it's just a visibility. No, it's a visibility and staying on between the snowbanks and right now Today makes a difference, but it'll probably all melt. Um, having the snowbanks, and I always feel a lot more confident driving once I get snowbanks because it's going to keep you on the road. That's right. It'll keep you on the road. It, it, the trees. Yeah, that's right. It'll keep you out of the trees. And also, I think visually, when you have a six, seven-foot bank, you can really see where the road is. Yeah, you're more apt to be able to. Yes. It sounds like you actually feel safer when there are snowbanks out there on the I road. Do. Oh, yes, I do. And in fact, my son just mentioned it to me the other night. He said, there's no snowbanks to keep me in the road, Mom. So he cut off the phone call, you know, quick. But before the snow comes high enough, and of course it might be slippery, it's really more hazardous without snowbanks than it is with them. So it really keeps you out of the trees, right? Or if yeah. you were to go off the road. Yeah, it's, it's just, to me, it's safer. And also the visibility, too, as well, right? You can kind of see where the road is better once you have snowbanks. You can see the snowbank, you know, and know where the edge of the road is. Yeah, so that's a good point. It's not just as far as the road being slippery with snow, but also just visibility of yeah. seeing where you're going. And usually the snow, the road is snow-covered, and most roads up here don't have any lines anyway. You know, we don't have a lot of dotted lines and... How quickly do they get plows in here to open things up if we right were to away. get it's it it's amazing how well they do. It's a it's really great. Um I think we're better off than they are in the cities because you can sit in the city for a week and not get your street plowed. But here they'll open it up really quickly. Our guys are out here during the storm, after the storm. 
Well, I've noticed too, places that are used to extreme weather, when that extreme happens, you know, if, if you're in Arizona, if you if it's a little hotter than normal or, you know, they're getting 115, it's really no problem. They're equipped for it. You know, yep. here you really probably can't have too much snow. They'll, they'll just, yep. they'll take care of it. Compared to say Philadelphia or Washington, D.C., they don't usually get dumped on, but when they do, they, they don't have they don't. the equipment and the manpower that and we do here. People don't know how to drive on it. You know, we know how to drive on it. We've... Right, so you're not seeing as many people, as many accidents right. or people hitting you. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a, a different different scenario when people go out on the road here and when people go out on the road in the cities. They just, That's true. You're getting snow. I mean, a, a lot of days of the winter, you're getting at least a couple inches. Yeah, yeah. And and they don't have to have much to stop them in the cities. but And the, the only reason... They would pull the plows off the road as the visibility was so bad that they couldn't. And let's talk a little bit about that. Sometimes the visibility can almost drop down to, to zero, zero, right? In these, right. You you won't be able to see past the end of the hood of your car. And you were saying sometimes it can almost be like a curtain pulled down, like yeah. if you're on when that when that you hit that lake effect band, when that starts, it's just like another world just exactly like a different world and it's a good place to not be <laughs> for friends of ours that are say closer to the gulf coast florida in the southeastern states those summer thunderstorms that you can go from sunny to a downpour instantly that's kind of what it's like with lake effect snow it's just you can really go from no snow to just almost a whiteout very quickly right right yes it doesn't doesn't take long at all and you know it, and it can be snowing terrible here and not in Redfield or have you ever been stranded like where you uh, you were in a vehicle that went off the road or, or you just couldn't get through and got stranded in a, a really heavy snow event I don't I don't believe so one night I was coming I don't remember where I was probably taking a class or something and I was going up um, route 11 and it was snowing so hard that I really was having trouble seeing where I was going and my brother and sister-in-law lived in Mansville and I pulled off and went went and stayed at their house until it let up. It was just snowing so hard you really couldn't see that well where you're going. Right. Big, big snow and just steady and it, it was really hard to see. Yeah, that was probably a good call just go, going and staying with them and then in, in the morning going on your way. Well, I, I was able to leave that, that evening. I didn't have to stay very long, but so that's a good point. Sometimes these bands set in for a period, and then they, they can leave as quickly as they came. And a lot of times, they'll they'll set up, and they'll be up here, and during the night, they'll shift southward. The wind shifts off the lake for whatever reason, and they'll move to the, to the south. Will you track them through, like, uh, the the weather on the news or any any uh, weather websites, or do you kind of, like, talk to different people that you know that are north or south of here? No, it's usually what I pick up off the news. And, you know, my kids will, you know, talk to me if there's going to be a storm coming and make sure I don't have any place to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Well, I appreciate you taking time uh, inviting me over. And these pictures are phenomenal. We're definitely going to post them with this story. Well, you know, seeing. Well, it's just so interesting seeing heavy machinery being used to take snow off of roofs. And, and you were saying sometimes people will actually get up on the roof um, to, to shovel it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happens all the time. Yeah, because you don't wait until it gets that deep. But when it comes fast and then you know you're going to have a thaw, 
you've got to get it off. It sounds like you really need to have a situational awareness where you're saying, wait, there's a lot of snow on the roof and the thaw will make it kind of uh, heavier and wetter. Well, and that's what was good about having this this fellow that's always been able to shovel it off for us is because he would, you know, he'd call me, he'd say, you know, we really need to do something about that roof, I think. So So he'd kind of keep um, a pulse on how much snow is on roofs and what the conditions are and everything. He does a lot of camps and they, they aren't as sturdy maybe as, you know, house roof would be. Yeah, and it, I've noticed the construction here looks pretty good. There's a lot of high pitch roofs that with a pretty oh, it's good cold angle. Now. It's oh, it cold. is okay. It's cold now. I've noticed, but but I'd imagine there are a lot of houses built maybe before that code that we really have to be careful, right, to get the heavy well, snow off you, of it. If you look around, you wouldn't notice at this time of year so much, but they're mostly steel roofs. I've seen a lot of metal roofs not, up here. Not a lot of shingles. Is that the code? Has the code no, changed? No, it just doesn't slide as well off the shingles. Yeah, that's right. It, um, when you said the code right now, is is there a code for the angle of the roof or yeah, for the pitch? And I can't tell you what it is, but that's interesting. So they actually want a steeper roof so that the snow comes off. There was a fellow over here. I've got a picture of it. He built a, uh, the Amish built him a camp, and it didn't have the right support under it, and he didn't have a foundation under it. And the snow took it down. He didn't even get, to, I don't think, to stay in it in the snow. Oh, so it was down. new construction, and just yep. the heavy snow took yep. it down. Yep. So, I w- he apparently got the Am- Amish to come back and rebuild it, but I don't think it was their fault. I, you know. <laughs> yeah, some of these conditions. This is some of the heaviest snow you're going to find on Earth. Really, to get snow piled up this high. It's pretty extreme. And I think sometimes these places that face extremes, you know, we, we can kind of see what's working and what's not, you know. Even today I was talking to someone who was explaining about uh, steel roofs versus shingles and about pitches, and then I could just drive around and, and see for myself. Right. You can actually, it's almost like a test laboratory up here for snow because you're getting so much snow so much of the time. Well, most of the new construction that you you would see if you could go up that road um, it's a seasonal road now, but um, it's good, and the, the code enforcement's been there, but I don't know how come they missed him. But Yeah, well, it shows there's a reason for it, right? Yep. If, we, if we don't build to code, sometimes there'll be impacts. Yep, it's, it's important. People get mad, but it's important. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks for taking time. This is I, ho- I wish you have a good winter. I hope it's a good winter for tourism and for snowmobiling and that you your bed and breakfast stays really full. Okay. Well, I hope so too. And how can people find you if they if they say, "Hey, I want to go up there and snowmobile and stay with Leona?" Well, I'm I'm at d- uh, Old Lard's Barn. That's Old Lard as in fat, L A R D. Old Lard's Barn B and B. And that's on on the internet. Uh, we have a website. Yeah, and and, and again, you, you could be right on the trail system, right? Right, a snowmobile right here and um and stay. So you yeah. you don't even really have to be in a car. You could just snowmobile right up to the right. the bed and breakfast. Some people do that. Some not a lot, but some people do that. But they like it because they can park here, unload, and ride. You have a lot of space here, so a lot of yes. people will probably bring a snowmobile yeah. on a trailer and or on a pickup truck. They're always worried about it. They're always worried about me having enough room. You come. You have plenty of room here, yeah. <laughs> and we plow it wide. You know, we, we plow a big area, so. Yeah, it's a good staging area if people want a snowmobile around Tug right. Hill. Yep, because there's, 
If there's snow any place, there's usually snow up here. Yeah. Well, thanks, Leona. I hope you have a great winter. Good. Thank you. Wow, what an amazing episode of the GeoTrek podcast. In this episode, I interviewed Leona Cherishnowski at her family farmstead in the Tug Hill of upstate New York. This is one of the snowiest inhabited places on earth. We talked about what it's like to live in a place with so much snow and where the snow can actually fall so hard sometimes it's almost like drawing a curtain closed. You have no visibility. We talked about driving safety in such places. Leona actually prefers to drive when there are high snow banks to help her see where the road is and to help her keep her on the road as well. We talked about the story of Leona's mom snowshoeing back to the family farmstead in the 1940s, and there was so much snow that she actually rested on the cross arms of a telephone pole. Can you imagine so much snow that it's as high as a telephone pole? That's what Leona's mom faced in the 40s, and we talked about the resiliency of that generation. We talked about the impact of climate change, which is bringing warmer winters to this part of the world, but as of yet, it's still snowing an awful lot. In, up there in upstate New York. We talked about the need to clear snow off of roofs to prevent structural damage and collapse. And we also talked about, although heavy snow is a hazard in this part of the world, it's also very important for driving winter tourism. That's a very important part of the economy in upstate New York around Tug Hill and the Adirondack Mountains as well. If you still want to grab a little more winter and see some ginormous snow, you can you can go over and actually stay with Leona at her bed and breakfast. Again, it's Old Lard's Barn. That's Old Lard's, L-A-R-D-S Barn, bed and breakfast in Osceola, New York. They have snowmobiling up there until at least the end of March, and there's still plenty of snow. January and February were very cold and snowy in that part of the world. So if you want to grab some more winter and see some big-time snows, give Leona a call, stay with her, and enjoy that beautiful countryside in the snow belt of upstate New York. On behalf of the GeoTrek podcast production team, this is Dr. Hal Needham signing off until the next episode of the GeoTrek podcast. Hey, GeoTrekkers, thanks so much for your faithful support of our movement. Please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and join us in our Facebook group to continue the conversation. We view each podcast episode as a starting point, not a finish line, to introduce you to a new topic, and our online community is there to give you a place to discuss these topics, interact with others in the community, and sometimes interact directly with the podcast guest. Thanks for being part of the GeoTrek community.